ahead and get this Sunday service rolling. Praise the Lord. Father, we give you praise, glory, and honor, and we thank you for this day, the opportunity to be in the house of God with people of God. We thank you for the ability to be here, Lord. We don't take it lightly that we have the uses of our faculties, Lord. Thank you for um, loving us even when we don't love ourselves, Lord. Thank you that today we celebrate the resurrection. We celebrate everything this week that you have gone through just to make it right for us. What love have a man that other, what kind of love is it that a man would have than to lay down his life? And not just for the ones that he loves, but for the ones that don't love him. Thank you, Father, for that love. Thank you, Lord, for salvation. Thank you for resurrection. Thank you for victory over death, hell, and the grave, Father. That was purchased by so high a price. Thank you, Lord, for the blood of Jesus Christ. Thank you, Jesus, that you loved us and walked it out so that we could be part, part of the kingdom, have relationship once again with the Father. Father, anoint the words that come forth today from those that teach and preach and sing. Let it be to all glory and edify only you, Father, because you are all that counts. Devil, I put you on notice. Satan, you are not welcome here in the name of Jesus. You and anyone who is associated with you and your kingdom must leave in the name of Jesus and not return. By the name above all names. Do I grant that, make that request known. Jesus, I hide behind the cross. Let your words be my words. Let your thoughts be my thoughts. Let this vessel be used of you according to your will. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. If I were to give a title to today's message, it would be, Thank You, Jesus, for the Blood. I know typically we, we celebrate resurrection, but I think that we need to know about the blood. I think we need to know the love that was put forth so that we could have such a wonderful relationship with, with God, so that we could be sons and daughters once again. And all week, the song, I found this song by uh, Charity Gell, and it's been playing in my car, playing on my phone, and the title is Thank You, Jesus, for the Blood. And I want to read the lyrics to you. It says, I was a wretch. I remember who I was. I was lost. I was blind. I was running out of time. Sin separated the breach way too far wide. But from the far side of the way, you held me in your sight. So you made a way across the great divide and left behind heaven's throne to build it here inside. And there is at the cross you paid the debt I owed. You broke my chains. You freed my soul. For the first time I had hope. Thank you, Jesus, for the blood applied. Thank you, Jesus, that had washed me well. Thank you, Jesus, you have saved my life and you brought me from the darkness into glorious life. You took my place. You laid inside my tomb of sin. You were buried for three days, but then you walked right out again. 
and now death has no sting, and life has no end, for I have been transformed by the blood of the Lamb. There is nothing stronger than the wonder-working power of the blood, the blood that calls us sons and daughters. We are ransomed by our Father through the blood. There is nothing stronger than the blood. I want to thank God for that blood. But that was kind of what got me to thinking along these lines. And I want you to understand today. And I want you to see how the blood can be applied toward your life. Most of the time when we think of the bloodshed, we think of only the cross. But it began so much sooner. And I want to talk about today. I want to talk about Jesus having the last supper with his disciples in Matthew 26. 26 through 28. And as they were eating, Jesus took bread, blessed it, and broke it, and gave it to the disciples and said, Take, eat, this is my body. Then he took the cup and he gave thanks and he gave it to them, saying, Drink from it, all of you, for this is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for many. For the remissions of sin. And by definition, remission means the cancellation of a debt, a charge, or a penalty. It's the forgiveness of a sin. Through Jesus' sacrifice on the cross, he atoned for our sin. Atonement means to suffer, to take the penalty for. Therefore, remaining the efforts of sin from the penalty a repentant sinner, and all and all uh, only reconcile, which means me to restore the relationship, make consistent with another, come to coexist in harmony, removing the effects of sin from the repentant sinner, repentant center. In the Old Testament, the sacrifice was set forth in Levi's 17 and 11 for the life of a creature is in the blood, and I have given it to you to make atonement for yourselves. On the altar, it is the blood that makes atonement for one's life. In the Old Testament, we had the law, and the law required the blood of goats and sheep and, and, and animals, lamb, the lamb, whatever it was, the bull, the oxen, whatever sin it was, you were supposed to bring it to the altar, but Jesus came to be the ultimate sacrifice, the one and the only, the one and done sacrifice for us. And I want to talk to you today about the blood that was shed and how it applies to your life. I listened to a, a sermon given by a pastor that I listened to, and he mentioned some of these things that got me to thinking about it. And I want to share this with you, this revelation. The first thing we see is in the Garden of Gethsemane. When his sweat became as blood, droplets of blood. In Luke 22 and 44, it says, And being in agony, he prayed more earnestly than he. Then his sweat became like great drops of blood falling down to the ground. What happens, this is a condition, a medical condition, that where the tiny blood vessels in the skin break open in response to stress, that flight 
or fight that we have in our body, extreme distress, distress or even fear. I've had pressure like that before, but never to that extent. And the blood was shed from the brow, from the face, so that you could overcome distress and fear. He suffered that for you. And he overcame it so that we could do, despite what we feel, you can do it because Jesus did in the garden. The second thing that I remember reading about in the story of his way to the cross, his journey, was the crown of thorns. And you can find this in the three Gospels, of course, Matthew, Mark, and John. And I'll read just the Matthew portion of it, Matthew 27. And 29 and with the three different uh, things that you you know the three different gospels that you read you can get a story of what happened in verse 28 it says and they stripped him and put a scarlet robe on him when they had twisted a crown of thorns they put it on his head and a reed in his right hand and they bowed the knee before him and mocked him saying hell king of the jews then they spat on him, and they took the reed, and they struck him on the head. And when they had mocked him, they took the robe off of him and put on his own clothes, and they led him away to be crucified. The second bleeding that he endured was a crown of swords on his head. And this covers your mind. And if anybody has ever had children, you know any kind of head injury bleeds so terribly. It bleeds so much. It can be the smallest little scratch. And it bleeds terribly. But he endured the crown of thorns so that you could have peace of mind. So that you could overcome the thoughts and the suffering that the enemy puts on your mind. And all this shedding of the blood has a purpose of wholeness and healing. If you can understand it with me. In Isaiah 50 and 6, it was a prophecy about Jesus, talking about him. And here we have the, the beard, the mocking, the beating with the face. But it, it reads, I gave my back to those who struck and my cheeks to those who put, pull out the beard. I hid not my face from disgrace and spitting. The beard pulling was a disgrace for a man of his of the Israelites. It was that was something that they grew was their beards. To remove it was a disgrace to them. But they just didn't remove it. They pulled it out. They pulled skin and all. They removed it all. It was so bad the torture that he had endured that he didn't even look normal like a normal human especially after the flogging after the scourging. But that disfiguration, he shed blood for you so that when you feel like the enemy has beat you to a pulp, you don't have to endure it. He shed the blood to cover that, to cover any lies that the enemy would tell you that makes you feel less than godly, less than who you are. The third thing is the scourging. Matthew 27 and 26 talked about it. 
but I wanted to read John's account. John 19. So the pilot took Jesus and scourged him, and the soldiers twisted a crown of thorns and put it on his head, and they put on put him a robe, purple robe, and they said, Hail, King of the Jews, and they struck him with their hands. And Pilate then went out again and said to him, Behold, I am bringing him out to you, that you may know that I found no fault in him. The scourging was one of the worst things that the Romans had invented with the cat of nine tails, the leather. They had attached metal, bones, fragments of anything that was hard. They would beat the backs of the condemned. Most never survived. Most never got to crucifixion. Because of the blood loss, most people would die there. Their hearts would just work and work and work because the blood was that they couldn't, um, they couldn't function. Their body had gone into shutdown to try to preserve life, but life was leaking and was gone so quickly. And they, they understand that Jesus suffered this because of the way he was on the way to the cross. He couldn't bear. He was, he was, you know, faint. He was unable to stand. He couldn't even bear his own cross or the beam that they were taking up to the to Golgotha, so they had somebody else take it. And the other signification of that was when he was on the cross thirsting. I thirst, he said, was one of the few words that he said on the cross, I thirst. And that is also a sign of someone who's lost a lot of blood. It's also a sign of those that are dying, their body is craving water. They'll ask for water. So the scourging, of course, we know for the stripes on his back, we know that's a very popular um, Isaiah 53 and 5, it says, By his stripes we are healed. That is healing for your body. He suffered that blood loss for your body, for healing. The crucifixion was the next thing. We'll go back again to Matthew 27. And 35. Then they crucified him and divided his garments, casting lots that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the prophets. They divided my garments among them, and for my clothing they cast lots. Sitting down, they kept watch over him, and they put up on his head the accusation written against him. This is Jesus, the King of the Jews. As we all have been taught from birth and up, if you can remember your Sunday school lessons and on, Crucifixion included two things. The nailing of the arm, the hands, which was usually done by the wrist. They would miss that one vein, that major vein in there, but it was enough to sustain them. So when they laid them down and nailed them to the cross and they put them up on the beam, hung them up, and they dropped down, they wouldn't tear their hands off and fall off, and they'd have to repeat the process so they would nail, put the nails through the wrist and, and then put the feet together and put it through the feet. The nails. The nails, of course, weren't nails like we know to build a home. They were the Roman nails, and if you look at them, they were about this long. They were closest we can get as railroad spikes, but they weren't that. They were still longer than that. 
and sharper. The Romans were a very cruel people, as we can tell. But um, hence why the Jews were always trying to get out from underneath their oppression with them. But the hands, the bloodshed for the hands was for your works of your hands. You are able to do the work of God because he took the nails for, your, for you. You can do his will. You can, you can operate as a Christian despite who you've been or what you've done. That's the tell of the enemy. All this is to get you a relationship with God. And we'll read about that. The feet, the bloodshed at the feet was so that you can write, walk righteously. Jesus overcame it with his life and living the life he lived perfectly for us. But the bloodshed for the feet was so that you are covered even in that. And the last thing that happened that the blood was shed was on the cross, John 19. And we'll read that one. Jesus had given up his life, John 19 and 34. And the verses before, he says, I thirst. And then he said, it is finished. He didn't lose his life. He gave his life. It is finished. He committed his spirit over into the Father. But because the Sabbath day was growing near, Pilate had asked the soldiers to break the legs of the men that were being crucified to hasten their death. You could be on the cross for hours and hours, suffering and dying. So it was customary that they would go, the Roman soldiers would go, and they would break their legs so that they couldn't push up and get breath anymore in their bodies because of the loss of blood, the fluid that was building up around the heart and around the lungs. They would push up on their feet to try to get air in. But when they got to Jesus, it was different. Then the soldiers came and broke the legs of the first and of the others who were crucified with him. But when they came to Jesus and saw that he was already dead, they did not break his legs. But one of the soldiers pierced his side with a spear, and immediately blood and water came out. And he who has seen has testified, and his testimony is true, and he knows that he is telling the truth so that you may believe. John was testifying to the part that he'd seen that done. He had actually witnessed that. That was the last bleeding from his body after he was even dead. What blood was left in his body came out with the water. The piercing pierced his lungs area in the lungs and around the heart and released the blood that was there and the fluid that was there. And we like to look at that as redemption and the living water, or some say the Holy Spirit. That is, we have the right to walk in the victory, and he walks with us because of the blood that was shed on, the, on his side as well. And let's read John 19. I'm sorry, John 4. Let me explain a little more about that. Three and, three and five talks about the new birth. Let's go to 13 and 14. Jesus said 
to her, and I was talking to the woman at the well, whoever drinks of this water will thirst again, but whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him will never thirst, but the water that I shall give him will become in him a fountain of water springing up in everlasting life. Isn't that amazing? At his death, even his body has died, and he is yet still bleeding for you and me. All that was left. All that was left. John 7 is another testimony to that living water. John 7, 37. On the last day, the great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried, saying, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. But this he spoke concerning the Spirit, capitalized meaning the Holy Spirit, whom those believing in him would receive. For the Holy Spirit was not yet given because Jesus was not yet glorified. His blood. His blood was shed. So that we could have life, and not just life, but more abundant life. That's promised in John 10 and 10. It says that these come to steal, kill, and destroy. But I have come that they might have life, and they might have it more abundantly. You have victory in every aspect of your life, if you will accept it. The blood was shed for that purpose, for salvation, for healing for wholeness, your ability to do what God has called you to do. Hebrews 9, I want to read 9 and then some of 10 as well to justify this to you. My time is short, but let me read these verses. Hebrews 9, 12 through 14. I'll start at 11. It says, But Christ came as a high priest of the good things to come with a greater and more perfect tabernacle, not made with hands, That is, not of this creation, not with the blood of goats and calves, but with his own blood. He entered the most holy place once for all, having obtained eternal redemption. For if the blood of bulls and goats and the ashes of heifers sprinkling the unclean sacrifices for the purifying of the the flesh, how much more should the blood of Christ who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God, cleanse your conscience from dead works to serve the living God. Cleanse your conscience. That means, you know, I have the ability to be whole despite what, was, what I've done. What my past is, even what yesterday was. That's why the old timers like to say, have you got it under the blood? Because once it's under the blood, it's gone. He remembers it no more. It's covered. And the enemy likes to come and tell you all the time what you are not or what you have done. And God is sitting up there going, I don't even remember. What are you talking about, Sonia? Why are you bringing this up to me? It's under the blood. It's gone. 1 Corinthians 7 and 23. The blood is so precious. It afforded us so much. It is the epitome of love, of God is love. 
It says, for he who is called in the Lord, uh, I'm sorry, I'm going to this. You were brought at a price. Do not become slaves of men. Do not become slaves. You were bought with a price. The New Living Translation says, God paid a high price for you, so don't be enslaved by the world. Don't be enslaved by the world. The blood afforded you so much better life than what we could get here on this earth. Do I have to work? Do I have to provide? Yes, yes, yes. But I have life and life more abundantly. I have joy when others have sorrow. Am I going to be sad at times? Yes, I'm going to have sorrow. But I can do it with the peace of God. A peace and calming that no one can understand but maybe another Christian. Hebrews 10. People are coming in. I'm sorry if I'm keeping you. Hebrews 10 and 19 and 22. And it's, this is what the, the blood of Jesus has afforded us to be able to do. It says, therefore, brethren, having boldness to enter the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way which he consecrated for us through the veil that is his flesh, and having a high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure blood. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope. Without wavering. For he who promised is faithful. The blood afforded you to be able to enter into the holiest of holies. Do you remember when the temple, it is finished. The veil of the holies, holies ripped from top to bottom. Twain is what it says. The thing was so thick that no human could have done that. The The earth shaked. The graves popped open. When Jesus gave his life for you and I. And now we have the right through that blood to enter into that holies and holies. It was only entered once by the high priest every year to go and atone for the people's sins. But I have the right through the blood of Jesus Christ to walk in to the holiest of holies and and put my plea down to the God that loved me. Jesus is always interceding for us. Everything he did, all the blood he shed, was purpose, was a purpose. Revelations 12 and 11, it's one of my favorite verses to quote. This is the end time. Revelation, it's not something to be feared by a Christian. It's just giving you the plan. It's just letting you know what's going on. But I love that I can even grab that and hold that today. And it says, and they have defeated him, meaning Satan, by the blood of the Lamb, by the word of their testimony, and they did not love their lives to the death. We've already got that part, the blood of the lamb. You're using your testimony. Have you give your life to him completely that it doesn't matter anymore? God, I'm just in your will. I just want to do your will. I just want to walk and go where you've called me to go. That's giving up your life even to death. None of us have had to give up our lives for Christ yet. Not that some in this world haven't already done that and are still doing that today, not in this country. But we experience the death in a a way that's not physical. We have to give up our will. Any man that would come after me, take up the cross, 
deny his self, take up the cross, and follow me. Jesus shed the blood. Everyone was purposeful. Every shed, every drop, even after his death, what was left came out of his side so that he would, you would know, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Even in death, I've got you covered. Even in my death, they put him in the grave. They thought they had defeated him, but three days later, he rose and was on this earth for at least 40 days, I think it was. He ate and walked and talked with his disciples, and then he was sended to the Father, and then he spent, the Holy Spirit came to the church, the baptism of the Holy Spirit. The blood was shed. Oh, I thank you for the blood. I thank you for the blood. Father, we praise you and thank you for your sacrifice. Lord Jesus, we don't take it lightly. We understand that each phase was a purpose and meaning for you and for us. And we thank you from the garden to the cross to the grave to resurrection. That we now have the right to have be called sons and daughters of the Most High. That we can go boldly into the throne room grace of the grace, by the grace of God, by the blood of Jesus Christ. That we can enter into the holiest of holies and commune and, and re make requests and make our petitions known to you. And that you love us so, so much that every drop of blood was accounted to help us. Thank you, Lord. And today, we praise you for it. We give you honor. Holy Spirit, come and endow this place today, Father. Help us to be the people of God that we're called to be. Let those that come see you, see your love, because it was all done in love. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Lord, we thank you. Amen.